Welcome to Worldwide Wonderful Women, a podcast for your living in divine power when yours is diminished. A podcast where encouragers receive encouragement. We understand these are hard times. You may find that it is becoming more of a challenge for you to remain strong as you give of yourself continuously. That's why this is the place to join other women globally who face the same challenges as you. So join us regularly to receive biblical insight not to faint, but to stand strong. This is the podcast to be rejuvenated and revitalized. Now, let's join our host, Paula Harris. Welcome again to episode number 217 of Worldwide Wonderful Women. And the title of this episode is Depression and the Church, Part 2. I'm going to be sharing with you a previously recorded telephone conversation that I had with Cindy Speaker on this topic. I trust that you're going to enjoy it. Joining me again this week is Cindy Speaker. I am so glad to have Cindy with us again. If you heard our previous podcast, you know that she is full of relevant information. She's the president of Speaker Media and Marketing, a company that provides marketing and media services to lawyers throughout the United States. She is also an independent film producer, author, speaker, and an aunt to 11 wonderful nieces and nephews. I've asked Cindy to be our guest for a four-part series on depression, and that came about when I learned about her Facebook group called Depression and the Church. Welcome again, Cindy. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate again the opportunity. Well, I am so excited, and I know if anyone heard that last podcast, they're excited also to hear what you're going to share with us today. Now, Cindy, what is the difference between a situational depression and a mental illness? Well, a situational depression would be evidenced by sadness related to a situation. For example, you can't pay the mortgage this month or your child is sick, and that's more of a situational scenario as opposed to an illness. It still needs to be managed. It's important if you can't pay your mortgage, your child is sick, naturally you're going to be upset and depressed by that. But mm -hmm. we kind of deal with those issues with a different set of tools. So for the scope mm -hmm. of our discussion today, we're going to be talking about an illness such as a depressive disorder, bipolar, anxiety, schizophrenia, or some other type of illness. And what I think is important, Paul, is that in the Christian arena, it's important that we as Christians do not suggest to depressed people that what they really need is to pray more or get their life straightened out with God. And I, I am a firm believer that prayer is an effective tool and faith is an important part of, our, of the Christian life. But mental illness is an illness. It is not sin. And if we continue to talk with depressed people in a manner that suggests we want them to help them, we want to help them deal with their sin, what we're doing is heaping uh, shame and guilt upon them. And it's, I don't believe that's helpful. No, it's not. And, and that's one thing I hope will be eliminated as we go through these four podcasts 
so that we as Christians in the body of Christ can have a better understanding on how to minister to our brothers and sisters that might be depressed and not to automatically put a label on them that it is sin. Right. Now, in the Bible, we look at Elijah. It appeared that he was depressed at different times. Now, Cindy, what would you say if someone asked you, do you think he had an illness? I don't think he had an illness. I would think, I think that we can look at Elijah as someone who was dealing with a spiritual depression. I mean, he experienced great miracles in his life. God sent ravens to feed him. Um, Elijah, a widow, and her son were miraculously provided for during drought and famine. He raised the widow's son from the dead. He even called down fire from heaven while confronting mm-hmm. idol worshipers. So as so often happens, Pauline, I know you and I have both seen this in our life. We have the mountaintop experiences, but so often after that, it kind of spirals mm-hmm. down into the valley. And I believe mm-hmm. that really he fell into a spiritual and situational depression to a point where he wanted to die. I, I think physical mm-hmm. fatigue was also a factor. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was frightened mm-hmm. for his life and feeling sorry for himself. We all mm-hmm. deal with aspects of depression in our life. I, I really can't imagine anyone that doesn't deal with depression at some time in their life. So for mm-hmm. him, I think it was more a spiritual depression, a situational depression, but, you know, one other thing I want to say about that story is our our God Almighty, you know, major yeah. things had happened in Elijah's world. But when God came to him, he came to him in that still, small voice. And isn't yeah. that a lesson for us? Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, it just shows the character of our God. And if we're his followers and we're supposed to be imitators of Christ, Hopefully we can learn to respond in the same gentle way. I agree with that. You know, I hear too many well-meaning Christians that are, are honestly, really, truly trying to encourage a depressed person. But they, they talk about spiritual issues. And again, I, you know, my faith is, is my foundation of my life. But when yeah. we start to quote Bible passages and talk about the need to pray more and read the Bible more to a person that is depressed... They can't snap out of it. A clinical depression mm-hmm. or some type of a mental disorder is so often chemically based, and it's not something that that we can be helpful in just telling them to read their Bible and pray more. I, it's sad to me when I hear well-meaning Christians say those kinds of things to someone who is suffering with depression because I think that it makes it even more for that more difficult for that person to get help because now not only do they feel awful that they're depressed because that's you just don't want you know you feel guilty for being depressed but now you have the shame of of thinking oh man I'm not praying enough I'm not reading my Mm. bible enough this is all my Mm -hmm. fault I don't believe it is all your fault. I believe that there are chemical imbalances and things medically that cause these depressions and mental disorders. Oh, Cindy, that is so true. And and I just pray that we would learn the correct way to respond and how to jump in here and, and help others. So, you know, in light of what you've just said, how can we encourage someone that's clinically depressed? I think that's a great question. Let me let me share just a little bit of my experience in discerning the difference. When I was in my teens, Paula, 
I, I, as so many young people, I began experiencing a debilitating depression. And I'd grown up in a Christian home, a wonderful home, a godly home. I had a wonderful mm-hmm. church. I loved my church. I loved the people there. And we were all like a big family. But my depression was viewed as sin related. And I really bought that story hook, line and sinker. So for me, mm-hmm. I was very burdened with guilt for being such a bad mm-hmm. sinner and unable mm-hmm. to overcome my depression. I, the people in my Christian life tried graciously to help me. But their help was really in the form of giving me scripture to read, praying with me, trying to help me be a better Christian. And and frankly, although there's definitely value in that, it didn't help me. And by the time I was 20 years old, I found myself frightened and in a psychiatric hospital, which also, by the way, is much more common than we would think. But Mm -hmm. we don't realize that because nobody talks about it. Right, right. So Mm -hmm. it was a turning point for me because it got me into the mental health system. And in that system, I began to receive therapy. And then they uh, they put me on medication. They said I had a chemical imbalance, which was also very difficult for me as a Christian to accept because I kept thinking, I can't, you know, I'm letting myself off off the hook if I just think this is Uh an illness. I, You know, it's sin and I need to straighten up. So what Mm -hmm. happened is that it really, I think the turning point was that I started not only to get the therapy and the medication, but through therapy, I was educated to understand that what I was dealing with was an illness. And I think for someone that is dealing with depression and feeling this guilt and shame, that my hope for them is that they seek professional help and come to understand Mm -hmm. that a mental illness is just as much an illness as diabetes is. Yeah, yeah. So my my doctors did convince me that it was a chemical imbalance, and they got me on the right medication. And uh, the depression, Mm -hmm. here's here's when I started to realize or believe that it was, in fact, an illness. Because when I was was depressed in those uh, early years, a part of the reason I felt so guilty is because there was no reason for me to be depressed. There was nothing Mm -hmm. wrong. I I had a good home. I had a good family. I had a good church. Why was I depressed? I felt so guilty for that. And yet the depression Mm -hmm. did not go away. Once I started to get treatment and I got on the proper medication, which is a process, the depression went away. And so for me, Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I guess they were right. It It is an illness because the medication treated it. And now I am able to manage that and have, you know, a good life. Oh, Cindy, thank you for being so transparent and being so honest and true and open. Because by your being transparent and open, I know that it's helping other women that are listening to this podcast. I'm a Bible teacher. I mean, I I teach classes. I believe that the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I do believe that the Word of God does not return void. And it's very powerful and very effective in our lives in more ways than one. But I really do believe that we have to understand that, yes, in regards to the Word of God and His wisdom that comes from above, that in His wisdom we need to realize that with depression, yes, do, do individuals need the Word and prayer and everything like we said before? Yes, they do. But we need to realize it's an illness whereby it needs to be treated just like any other illness. 
And so we need to have the wisdom that comes from God, that comes from above, to know that there's a balance here and that there are times when we do try to just maybe quote the word to someone where they need additional help. So I appreciate your bringing that point out. And, and that was so well stated, Paula. Thank you for that. Uh, well, you're a business owner, and you're active now continuously being able to bring that balance. God giving you wisdom not just with his word, but also with the treatment that came from the doctors and from medication, which some Christians have a problem with, but... You know, hey, God provided Dr. Luke, and he provides doctors. So you're a business owner, and you're active in many projects now, and I know that you're working even on a new film. So then, Cindy, how do you keep your mental illness under control? Well, you know, a few years ago, actually quite a few years ago, a godly Christian pastor told me something. He said, you know, the illness never goes away, Cindy, but you can learn to manage it. And I think that that's an important point because – Just as with any medical illness, they often don't disappear from your life, but they're treatable Mm -hmm. and you can learn to manage Mm -hmm. them. But some of the things that I've learned personally that work for me in maintaining a healthy, stable life, like you said, I am a business owner. Um, There's certain stresses that come with that and um, Mm -hmm. I need to be able to deal with that. And so it's important that that I maintain my stability. And one of the Mm -hmm. big things for someone that deals with depression or some kind of a chemical imbalance is you have to be very careful about stress because stress can make your chemicals go out of whack. And again, I keep using diabetes as an example. It could be any other type of illness. But with diabetics. Yes, because we're not trying to focus. No, I'm really not. We're not trying to call that like the ultimate illness. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. But but with example like diabetes, if you are under a lot of stress, that also will affect your diabetes. And similarly, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with a mental illness. Uh, it's important mm-hmm. to get plenty of, of sleep, to eat as healthy as you can. I'm not really too good at that, but I'm trying. But uh, <laughs> with you on that one. <laughs> exercise, exercise is helpful, and I'm not really that good on that one either. But anyway, it's uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting by. I need to exercise more. And then, and then, and then another, I'm with you on that club, too. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> There's another you know, a number of years ago, I heard Dr. Kate Redfield Jameson speak, and she was the head of psychiatry at Johns Hopkins for many years. And the first time I heard her speak, She talked about a very interesting concept called signature tunes. And what she said is that for a person who deals with some type of a mental illness, they usually evidence some type of signature tunes when they begin to kind of go south. And I talked with my therapist about that after I heard that seminar. And here's what she said. She said, Cindy, that's so true. She said she remembered having a mother and daughter come to her office. The daughter had a mental illness. The mother came as her advocate, and she said, you know, I, I think that, that you, my daughter needs to be seen. I think she's had, having some difficulty here, and she really needs some help, uh, some kind of an intervention in terms of medication, up, you know, up the medication or something. And my therapist said that she seems pretty good to me. My therapist, I love her. I think she's fantastic. But here's what the oh, mother okay. said to her. The mother said, she said, no, she said, there's something going on because my daughter is walking a little different. Her gait was different. Now, no mm. my therapist would have no way of knowing that her gait was different because she's not involved enough in her life to recognize a little difference like that. But I think yes. it's interesting that as that when you deal with a mental illness, I think it's very important that you have a couple of trusted people in your life 
that give you permission to speak into your life relative to the illness. And I can tell you that both my mother, my sister, and my best friend will say to me, you are evidencing signature tunes. I think you should get a little extra rest this week. And one thing that's funny to me is they won't tell me what my signature tunes are because they tell me that if they told me, they're afraid I could control them. <laughs> oh, that's wisdom there, too. <laughs> so I don't really know what they are, but I know that when one of those three people who have been my anchor advocates, when one of the wow. three people says to me, you're evidencing some signature tunes, I think you should get extra sleep, I get extra sleep. And that that helps to maintain our stability. But, you know, if we have, and I know we're we're running a little late, but do we have just another minute or so, Paula? Sure, go right ahead. No, please, continue. Well, let me tell you that um, it can be discouraging and even embarrassing to be diagnosed with a mental disorder. But one of the things that I think is encouraging is to know that many successful have dealt with debilitating depression in their lives. And I'd like to mention a few. Okay, go right ahead. Okay, well, the great composer Ludwig van Beethoven, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Terry Bradshaw, Marlon Brando, the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon, Winston Churchill, Dick Clark, the beloved actor Robin Williams, President Calvin Coolidge, Princess Diana, and I won't go on, Abraham Lincoln is is an important one, Michelangelo. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that lived very successful lives and accomplished great things in spite of the fact that they did have to deal with a uh, a debilitating depression. Uh, If you or someone you love is dealing with a debilitating depression or mental illness, I encourage you to seek professional help. And NAMI, I think, is a great place to start the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's NAMI.org. Oh, Cindy, thank you again for sharing such important information with us. I, I can't wait to hear what you're going to share next week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know that in our next episode, Cindy is going to talk about family members and caregivers of the mentally ill. So I, play, I, I pray that you will plan to join us. And in the meantime, smile, Jesus loves you. Thank you for listening to Worldwide Wonderful Women. We trust you enjoyed the program. Please take a moment to leave us a good rating and review on iTunes to help us continually encourage others around the globe. We also invite you to go to TWMforJesus.org. That's T-W-M, like in Mary, F-O-R-J-E-S-U-S dot O-R-G to download your free gift and see other resources to help you live in divine power. And oh, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, be strong and of good courage.